Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And ain't that the truth, when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. What about cowboy lawyers or lawyer cowboys? I've only known one. Well, Temple Houston. Well, okay, that's two. (laughs) Uh, Hi there, Harry Alexander with you on uh, Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. And uh, my good friend uh, and side, well, he's not my side, I'm his sidekick, Bunker de France. Oh, Harry, you know, every cowboy needs a nickname. Mm -hmm. And I think I've come up with one for Uh you. Uh-oh. Well, don't go. Oh, you're gonna love this. Okay, because right. you're kind of like a big old bear. Okay. So I thought, well, grizzly, but that's a little too long. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna call you Grizz. Grizz. What I do like you think, it. John? Does that work? Wait, wait a minute. Let, oh. me, let me plug in our guest here. Oh. Uh, our guest, by the way, is uh, Johnny Boggs, Western Writers of uh, America author. Hi, John. How's it going? We're we're going well. We're going now, well. Now you've heard you've heard the nickname that the uh, France has put upon me here. What do you think? You never can control your nicknames, right? I mean, you you, you just have to live with that. I'm afraid you might <laughs> well, be think, stuck. Don't you think though, Grizz kind of kind of fits Harry? You know, it's like big old grizzly bear. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Grizz. Yeah. All right, you can call me Grizz. I can call you Grizz. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be I'll be the Grizz. Uh, today's program. Let me get back to where the hell we're supposed to be here. <clears throat> this is Abel Franzi's Voices of the West, Very and um, it is a serious show, but we love to have fun with it. Anyway, <laughs> um, we're going to be talking today about the novels and the Western genre of uh, John Steinbeck, and uh, but so lots of people didn't know there were some Western novels from Mr. Steinbeck. Well, if you look at his California novels, that's pretty basically what they are. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what uh, we're going to cover today. So our our guest uh, to handle that uh, is Johnny Boggs. He's uh, uh, Steinbeck is a fave of uh, Mr. Boggs. And so that's why he's here, among other reasons. Um, And because we like him. And because we like him. He's all around nice guy. (laughs) And humble. And uh, and humble. Our phone number, if you'd like to get involved in this conversation, is toll free 844 908 West 844-908-9378 and that will hook you right up here and uh, you can talk to the three of us or ask a question and they'll be able to answer because I won't um, <laughs> we are on the YouTube you can uh, this program is being simulcast on our YouTube channel go to YouTube and do a search for Voices of the West and you will find us um, we are streaming at voicesofthewest.net and our email address is voicesofthewest at gmail.com. What did I lose? What did I forget? Well, you didn't mention VOW. Oh, yeah. Um, when this show is not on, we've got our radio channel going, and uh, it's VOW Radio. You can access it from our website, voicesofthewest.net, and take it with you on your mobile device. Um, pretty simple, because there's a radio player there that will <laughs> activate when you press the button. And you don't have to have an app. You don't need an app. I have an app for it, but, you know, it, it works just as fine and probably better uh, by using the uh, the... Internet service there. What does that app stand for? Is that like aptitude? Or? I don't know. It's one of those computer things. Oh, okay. um, so that that's a, a, a good way to do it. And you know, I've I've discovered you don't need internet in order to get to our website you on don't? your mobile device. No, if you have a data program, what's that? Uh, you don't have a cell phone. I understand that. Uh, but if you've got a, a data program or data not da- a data use plan, you can uh, access all of this stuff without the benefit of uh, the WWW thingy. So We've got all kinds of plans, and I can't access it. I know, but that's how you Well, work. hey, John, <laughs> uh, we're ignoring you. And what what uh, brought you to John Steinbeck? I know, you know, you're probably like me. I was a reader, and that uh, Steinbeck just... What actually brought me to Steinbeck was... East of Eden, the movie, but uh, after I said, well, i got to read this book, and man, I read the book, and I said, man, the book's ten times better than the movie. Well, they usually And it's a great movie. Yeah. So what brought you to well, Steinbeck? Well, obviously, you, you know, I, I had to read The Pearl and uh, The Red Pony in, 
school, and then probably by the time I'm in high school, I had to read um, uh, Mice and Men. Uh, but I think but really as an adult, what really turned me on to him was when I, I just happened to pick up Travels with Charlie, oh. uh, you know, his non kind of account, which which he does get to the West, and Yellowstone and, and, and the West in there, and, and that's when I really just fell in love with Steinbeck. Mm. Um, because, you know, when you're, when you're told to read, you got to read The Pearl as a kid. You know, like, oh, you, come on, I don't want to read that. Can I read, you know? A Louis Lamour novel or something like that, but um, mm-hmm. but then after I read Travels with with Charlie, I was like, wow, this this is really really exciting. And then I read The Grapes of Wrath, which in my mind is one of the last great novels about one of the last great westward migrations. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely brilliant. I mean, he deserved the Pulitzer for that, which is what he won. Uh, and then later, I, I just kept on reading. I mean, uh, Cannery Row, uh, which is hilarious. And uh, in dubious battle, which uh, I just think is, is a great, great kind of a Norish kind of dark, dark look at California, uh, and then uh, um, even um, um, East of Eden, uh, you know, that's probably his most ambitious work. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, he, he's writing about the West. I mean, okay, in, so- in dubious battles, the West. I mean, he's writing about California. Yeah, this is all all part of the West. Well, see, and uh, that, so he's. That br- a, I, that brings to mind He's a Western the, writer. That brings to mind the comment of, okay, lots of people like to pigeonhole authors and movies and so forth into uh, specific genres and, uh, and and specific time periods. And with Steinbeck, it's not a specific. Well, it is a specific time period, but it's uh, a, a more the turn of the twentieth century and into the twentieth century, early twentieth century. And I'm I'm willing to bet that a lot of people don't consider that. Uh, to be truly the West. Well, you know that's part of that's part of our our goal here with the show now is uh, to let people know that the West is more than cowboys and Indians, that it's miners, right. lumberjacks, it's fishermen on the Pacific coast. You know, mm-hmm. it's the it's all the, the, the merchants, the, the teamsters, all of these different types of people and stuff all had their own stories. And that's what the West really is about. And it's it's from, you know, it starts with James Fenimore Cooper, mm-hmm. and it doesn't stop. You know, you've you got to figure the first Westerners were at Mayflower. Yeah. I, you know, when they landed at Plymouth Rock. I, I, everything I, was West. I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying, you know, you can't put this one into a, a, you can't. a, a, t- a, t- a little cubby. You it's can't impossible. put it in a hat box. Johnny, would you agree with that? I definitely agree with that. I mean, the, I mean you're right. The West... I have trouble, you know, uh, convincing some publishers of this, but the West yeah. is not 1865 to 1890 west of the Mississippi, and you got to have a gunfight or at least a horse whipping at some point in the story. Um, no, no, and, and Steinbeck was was writing that. I mean, um, and, and you know, he's great on the history. I mean, the Pastures of Heaven, which he writes and published in 1932, I mean, it starts with Spanish discovery in in, in the 1700s mm-hmm. and goes on into the 1930s. I mean, this was this he was writing about the West in his own way. Now, mm-hmm. i got to think from my readings about John Steinbeck, if you told him that he was he was a, a Western writer, he might take offense to that, but um, <laughs> but maybe not. Because, I mean, I think he understood what he was writing about. He was writing about people and, and the, the challenges people faced in, in the West then and now. Well, and they were migrating to the West as well. So, and, you know, sure. I've got, sure. I've got a, I've got a, a I guess you'll call it a quote. It's from a letter that he wrote uh, when he was still off and on in college, and he's writing to an amigo of his, and this is what he tells the guy. He says, when I was in college, I was a real poor kid. I got a job breaking Army remounts for officers, gentle behinds. I got 30 amount or 50 with basic polo. You know, you know, Haunch stops, uh, spins, and stick work around the head and ears and pasterns. I didn't walk without a limp for months. They must have got some, must have got some of those remounts out of my chutes of the rodeo circuit. But I needed the dough bad, and I figured it was a battle. Better to limp and eat than to be a whole and happy, hungry. Hmm. And you know that's just bona fide. He was a ranch kid. He, you know, he grew up in that atmosphere. He knew, he knew the ranchers. He knew the the, the Pisanos that worked out there. 
He, you know, and then he, and then his he, he hard scrabble all his life. He all these different jobs gave him that that experience of the working man and also the sound and voice of the working man. Agreed. Agreed. I'm going to remain silent. East of Eden is pretty much, an, uh, in a lot of ways, East of Eden is, is, is autobiographical. Yeah. This part, I mean, a lot of that was what he, he lived. And of course, you know, um, Cannery Row. I mean, I think a lot of those stories are probably true. Um, oh. <laughs> and same with uh, Tortilla Flat. Yeah, I, I'm going to remain silent throughout most of this conversation because <laughs> I, I I just I, my my knowledge is next to nil. Well, you can, you and can I'm not going to embarrass myself. Embarrass yourself? No. Well, no, go no, to the no, library, no, read, yeah. check out a few books, and 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 you'll you'll understand what we're talking about. Well, Which books have you read? Li- this? Library? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> Wait a minute, Johnny asked you a question. Did you answer that? What's a, what's that question? How many books have you read? Oh God, I don't know. how many fingers do I have? <laughs> no, well, I'm, you know, speak. In the East and Eden, that's a it's a great example because the book really is about three generations of, yes. that came, they come to the Salinas Valley as yes. as, as migrants. Uh, one, it's the Trask family, which is fictional, and the Hamilton family, which was his mother's family, which were actually so you know they're like Johnny said. There's a lot of yeah. John Steinbeck family in mm-hmm. the book. Yeah, not going to dispute it. Yeah, okay. it's a wonderful book. So move on, move on. No, uh, I, I'm li- I'm listening, guys. You, yeah. I'll just interrupt when it's time for a commercial break. Or I wish I, I could see your have, face on camera. Have some, <laughs> some sort of a some sort of a ridiculous comment yeah. that I'll inject there someplace. But I'm try- going to try not to do that. So yeah. you guys go right on ahead. I'm going to kick back here and. Uh, Enjoy an adult cocktail and uh, watch what's uh, going on. You brought the you brought the saddle flask. <laughs> well, you know he was uh, a student at Stanford. Off and on, he'd he'd go for a, a semester and then he'd get off and he'd work, make some money so he could go back. He never did get his degree, and it's amazing what a man can do without a degree sometimes. Mm-hmm. But right. you know his life again. His life experiences are just so, so great. You know, and just to jump around a little bit, uh, you know, how many how many writers have won a Pulitzer Prize, a Nobel Prize, National Book Award? You know, I, I mean, that's awesome. You don't need college for none of that stuff. No, you don't. You know. <laughs> I went to school. They expelled me for eating the covers. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> John, you got anything you want to throw in there? Uh, I, 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 I'm at a loss for words after that one. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, you want me to throw some more confusion out there at you? <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> okay, here you go. He was nominated three times for an Academy Award in the uh, uh, Best Writer category. And uh, he, for Lifeboat, original story, which I believe that's the one he won. Yeah, that's the one he won the Oscar for. And then he was a medal for Benny. And then Viva Zapata. And you know, I, I've always, you know, I've always wondered. You know, it's like, did he, did he, did he have any contact with Brando? Because that, to me, is the type of character that I that I envision Steinbeck and the type of person that I envision Brando and as I understand him, this is this, to me is to be like, it's like water and water and oil, mm. but who knows? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convert you into Steinbeck. I'm, I'm going to just read one paragraph, which, you which I, uh, when I'm talking <laughs> about Steinbeck or, or um, writing, writing in general, I always bring this up. This is from the grapes of wrath. Okay, and and I just love the stream of consciousness. Along 66, the hamburger stand, Alan Susie's place, Carl's lunch, Joe and Minnie, Will's eats, board and bat shacks, two gasoline pumps in front, a screen door, a long bar, stools, and a foot rail. Near to the door, three slot machines, showing through glass the wealth the nickel three bars will bring. And beside them, the nickel phonograph with records piled up like pies, ready to swing out to the turntable and play music. Tippy, 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 ten. Thanks for the memory. Bing Crosby, Benny Goodman, 
at one end of the counter a covered case, candy cough drops, caffeine sulfate called sleepless, no-dose, candy, cigarettes, razor blades, aspirin, Romo seltzer, Alka seltzer, the walls decorated with posters, bathing girls, blondes with big breasts and slender hips and waxen faces, and white bathing suits, and holding a bottle of Coca Cola and smiling. See what you get with a Coca Cola? <laughs> Long bar and salt, peppers, mustard parts, and paper napkins, beer taps behind the counters, and in the back, the coffee urns. Shiny and steaming with glass gauges showing the coffee level, and pies and wire cages, and oranges and pyramids of four and little piles of post-toasties, cornflakes, stacked up in designs. That wins you a Pulitzer Prize. <clears throat> yeah, and then some. But, you know, it takes you there. You know, it's like yeah. when, when you said, you know, records stacked up like pies, I can, I can see those old pie racks yeah. you know, that they used to have. In the, it's, like being, it's like being back in my childhood mm-hmm. almost. It's great. What beautiful stuff. Well, let's see. You, I guess, and I may be wrong on this, but I understand his first novel was Cup of Gold in '29, and you might you might know better than I, John, whether that's that's that is true because I know he was writing when he was in Stanford. He had he had a couple of stories published in the in well, a couple of stories pub, published in high school when he was on the because he did he was the editor of the high school newspaper. Hmm. The guy was always writing. Yeah, it's about it's about the pirate uh, Henry Morgan. Um, uh, I've, I've read it, uh, so yeah, I think you could even call that that old uh, an early early western, yeah. right? Uh, if you're kind of if you if you stretch the genre a little bit, but yeah, that is considered to be his first novel. Uh, it's kind of based on uh, Henry Morgan, uh, and it's you know set more in Panama, which was referred to as a cup of gold, and mm-hmm. um, but. I mean, you associate Steinbeck mostly with uh, with California, yeah. and particularly in, in the Northern California, and Salinas Valley, and, and places like that. And that's um, well, primarily what he wrote about. Did Did he settle there in, in the in that area, and that that's why he wrote about those uh, locales? He was born there. He was born there. Okay, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I just no, no, that's, I'm, good. I'm that's a good question. I'm embarrassing myself here. No, you're I just not. Don't know. <laughs> The only time you embarrass yourself is when you don't ask a question. Well, there you go. Hey, um, before we go on and uh, I make a more of a fool, more. make more of a fool of myself, we got to do our first commercial break here. You are in tune with and watching of Emil Franzi's The Voices of the West. Uh, we are talking with Johnny Boggs about uh, the great John Steinbeck and uh, the novels that Steinbeck wrote uh, that were of the Western genre. So, we will be back with much more of our program right after these messages. Do stay tuned because we will be, uh, like I said, right back. Back when the West was very young, there lived a man named Masterson. He wore a cane and derby hat. They called him Bat. Bat, 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 Bat. Emil Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. A man of steel, the stories say, but women's eyes all glance. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSki.com. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. Wills and Trusts, which one do you need? 
That's where the experience of Zach and Schmidt's PLC comes into play. What we'll usually do with the client is sit down with them and go over their concerns, go over what type of assets they hold, and then give them specific legal advice as to whether a trust makes sense in their specific situation. Let the experience of Zach and Schmidt's guide you through the legal maze of wills and trusts. 520-664-3420 or TucsonEstatePlanning.com. Give me a stiff one, barkeep. Ah, 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 don't touch that dial. It's more fun than a sack full of squirrels. that you can't make it. Will you hark to what they've said? Or will you move your beeves from Texas across the River Red? They're betting you can't make it, but you bet your life they're wrong. So keep riding toward the Pecos to find where you belong. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We're back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Uh, William Conrad. Yeah. Chisholm. Yeah, I, I thought um, Andy Finity wrote Chisholm. I, did, I didn't realize Steinbeck did. No. <laughs> no he, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, John. Well, there might have been a story idea I, uh, he had, you know, mentioned. In you know, I, I, I'm just pulling music out of my hat here. <laughs> <laughs> Although Andy is, Finity is about as large as life as John Steinbeck. So. I reckon. Yeah. I'll, I'll Are, give Andy that. All right. Our guest is uh, Johnny Boggs, uh, Western Writers of America of, uh, author, and uh, I, would, I guess you could call yourself an expert on Steinbeck. I mean, you, when no. I initially touched base with you, you wanted to put I'm me in touch with I'm not going that far. No, okay. no, no. I'm a, right. I'm, a, I'm a writer. I'm an expert on nothing. Yeah. Well, the guy you wanted to put us in touch with, was that Bill Groner? But I know where to look. Yeah. Yeah, that's the secret. And research. if you're going to look for Steinbeck, I, I should point out the National Steinbeck Center which is in Salinas, his hometown, where he did a lot of his work. It's just absolutely beautiful, beautiful museum. Uh, got everything you need to know about Steinbeck you'll find right there. It's, a, it's mm-hmm. an absolutely fabulous museum. And uh, his home um, is, uh, I want to say it's a restaurant now or yeah. something like that. And if you go to Monterey, which is absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful town on, on the coast, um, they have a, a big statue on, with Steinbeck. Uh, surrounded by a lot of the characters from from Cannery Row. Nice. He's back into the Pacific, and he's looking off to the east of the Salinas Valley and Fremont Mountain. Okay. (laughs) Hey, I, 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 I know I was there. I know I saw it. It's coming. It's all coming back to me. Yes. Very, very. In, 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 See in a, the fog. Early morning fog. It, it, and you know that's one of the things I do remember about that area is a lot of fog. <laughs> when I took basic training at Fort Ord, uh, which is now closed, I reckon. So, all right, go ahead. Well, I've got I've got another thing here from that Steinbeck wrote uh, about about himself. He says we were poor people with a hell of a lot of land, which made us think we were rich people. Even when we can't buy food and we were patched uh, caballeros, lords of the land, you know, and really low church mice, but proud. There you go. Well, let's talk. Let's talk. This is one of my favorites. Actually, it's my second favorite after East of Eden. And I think in many ways uh, gives uh, Grapes of Wrath a run for its money. And that's of mice and men. Mm-hmm. What do you think of mice and men, there, John? Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a fab, fabulous, fabulous book. Um, I had to read that too, but that was one that that, that stuck with me. Um, yeah. and, and you see a lot of people trying to um, uh, imitate that. Uh, uh, they take the plot of um, of, um, of mice and men and then transform it into a number of westerns, TV shows. I remember Bonanza had a. The the George well, I think Hoss oh, yeah. is playing George and 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 some guy he befriends is the Lenny character, um, but uh, yeah and that that's a kind of a, a you know that's a bit of a downer, <laughs> like a, a lot of times Steinbeck's uh, novels are. 
But uh, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful book um, set um, around Sacramento, uh, kind of more like on solo that area. And it's just you know you got two itinerant you know farmhands, and one is. Um, yeah, it was a Swedish man who sold that. Yeah, you know one of the things yeah. about one of the things about the book uh, is that you really, you really, and and here's what Steinbeck himself said. He says it was about loneliness, about and the, and these guys, these are the guys that, as a young man, he worked because he worked at, on the Spreckles Ranch, and he saw these kind of guys there that basically were seasonal workers that come in, they'd work the fields or they'd work the cannery or whatever. And and one of the things that he saw was that, you know, being such a lonely existence, these guys didn't have families, they were poor, and they would partner up with somebody. And this is one of the great partnerships. It's like, I remember, one of the, I remember so much of the movie with uh, Burgess Meredith and, uh, mm-hmm. and oh, Jeepers, I went blank here. Uh, uh, Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, uh, Jr. Lon Chaney. Is the, uh, he was the, I think that's one of the best performances by an actor I've ever seen in my life because it just, it, it made such an indelible impression on me. You know, I felt like I was sitting in the bunkhouse with those guys. Yeah. And, and um, thing, go ahead. Uh, I was just thinking. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the first of Steinbeck's novels to to be turned into a movie. It it, it um, gets Academy Award nominations for at mm-hmm. least best best picture. Um, but I remember one of the, the you know they they always talk about who who they're going to put in the movie. And at one time, uh, Gwen Big Boy Williams was uh, supposed to be playing um, Lenny, and I think the producer had talked to Warner Brothers about uh, either getting Cagney or Bogart for for the role of George. But I, I think uh, uh, cooler heads uh, prevailed, and you get Burgess Meredith and, and Lon Chaney Jr. So it's a man that would have been really and they were both film. under contract to the studio. That would have been quite incredible. This is a neat thing about this movie because I I did I did a filmology on on Steinbeck and this guy, his work, his stories. I mean he. He's been done and done over, but I think *Of Mice and Men* may be the most film novel of all time because every country in the world adapted it. And of course, and like you said earlier, John, uh, the different te- television shows. I can remember a westerner that was kind of like that. Uh, just sure. Episode, just series after series, they used that story. But what was amazing is, like, I've got on this list here, I've got Japanese, German, Austrian, uh, English, which was in English, so that's pretty good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just, it's, it's, I guess it's because it's, it's such a universal story of loneliness. It's a universal, I was going to say, it's a universal story, so you see it always being lifted, and not necessarily adapted, but they take this idea and just do it again and mm-hmm. again and again and again. Uh, and um, like um, um, the Petrified Forest, um, the play becomes um, a movie, and then you see it and the theme of it in different different forms and different uh, genres. So you can transform it. You can transform uh, mice and men to to anywhere, and it still works because it's just such this like you said a universal story. But the novels, the novels, pretty darn near perfect. In case, in, okay. In case you have just joined us, uh, you are uh, in tune with Amel Francis' Voices of the West. We are talking with Johnny Boggs, and uh, uh, our topic today is John Steinbeck. And so that's kind of where we're at. So I'll throw it on back to. Oh, well, thank back, you for back, throwing it out. Back, back to all y'all there, yeah. and. Uh, well, you know the move, other thing too on. is that uh, this is and this is a good example. Steinbeck liked to shake things up when he wrote a book he didn't want the other book to be like the last one he wrote he want he was always constantly experimenting and stuff like that and when he wrote of mice and men he wrote it as a narrative and uh it was published and almost almost immediately on broadway as a play and it was a, a smash play it was like i think it was like one of the best plays of the year but uh and again you know it just it shows you that ear he had 
and the insight into into human nature and, and not you know he wasn't writing about Broadway and and you know millionaires he's writing about what most of America was at that time working steps out of work because of the depression right right and you're right I mean he, he, mice of men um, comes out in 1937. Uh, the next year, he's publishing uh, The Red Pony, which is uh, more really? of a coming-of-age, kind of a young adult novel about, um, you know, a young ranch kid and his responsibilities with, um, obviously, The Red Pony. So, yeah, I mean, he moves he moves around. He, he never wanted to tell the same story twice, and um, he rarely did. Well, you know, in The Red Pony, too, that that came out of a collection called, from the Long Valley in 38. Right. And from what I understand, mm-hmm. it was actually he took a couple of a couple of stories and built them together and came up with that right. was and built them into right. the red pony. Mm-hmm. I, I got a question for you guys uh, on the uh, uh, cover, that, and I uh, got this image off the Internet, so whether it's true or not, I don't know. But on the cover, it doesn't have a title. It just says, uh, it shows, shows a uh, blank cover, looks like a wood grain in back, and a red pony. Uh, right smack dab in the middle there. Uh, is that how it came out at that time, or is this just something that depended on the on the uh, the run? What you know, like the very the very first one, if that could very well have been the first book cover. Uh, over time, they would change, especially when it went into paperback. Now I want to jump back for just a second uh, to Mice and Men because I thought I thought this was interesting. The original title that he was going to call it was something that happened. And, you know, it, it describes the whole story in there, but of mice and men, and that came from a quote, and I think, uh, do you remember the quote that that came from, uh, from uh, Robert Burns? Uh, not all the Gay? That's you know that's one of those things. Well, back in school then, is. then what we will do is uh, give you guys a chance to think about that while we take our break. Oh, and, uh, okay. segue. Let's break something. I love those. I, I love those uh, kinds of segways. Kind, of, kind of segue thingies there. Uh, we are uh, doing uh, Amal Francie's Voices of the West on uh, the twelfth day of January, twenty nineteen, and our guest is Johnny Boggs. Our phone number eight four four nine zero eight West. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, it's eight four four nine zero eight, and we will be back with much more on uh, John Steinbeck and lots of other stuff right after these messages do stay tuned if you would please we would certainly appreciate it the end of the civil war was near when quite accidentally a hero who sneezed abruptly seized retreat and reversed it to victory his medal of honor pleased and thrilled his proud little family group some blood was spilled, and so it was planned he command F true. Emil Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Paul Ash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Paul Ash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. 
But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horses Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horses Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horses Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horses Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horsesatroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horsesatroundrescue.org. My name is Neil Summers. I started my 53-year stunt profession on High Chaparral and Gunsmoke and a few other shows. And I'm still active, and uh, I want to thank Voices for the West for having me on. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. And we are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West Saturday afternoon for us. And uh, uh, we're talking about John, Ste John Steinbeck with um, good friend, uh, WWA author Johnny Boggs. In the studio here is uh, Mr. DeFrance, yep. the bunker we call him. Bunker. The bunker. The bunker. Yeah. Well, going to call me Grizz. I'm going to call you Grizz. The Grizz. Grizz. <laughs> and we'll uh, call him the John. Yeah. Right. Uh, and on the horn is uh, Johnny Boggs uh, to help us get through all of this madness. At least for me, um, <laughs> I, I confess, man. I, no, this is cool. I, I enjoy reading his stuff. I'm just not. As oh, familiar, well, you know, with it. I mean, there's that's lots our of things. Job, Harry, is, I, I understand. There's lots of things that I thoroughly enjoy, and I know a lot about. Yeah, we're we're this a, is one we're, that I we're a coal oil lamp in the cold darkness of a Santa Fe winter night in Dona Ana County. Don, no, Dona Ana County's down south. But you know, you know, yeah, geography was not my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I want to go back a second here. Uh, Johnny was talking about Salinas and and Mr. Steinbeck's home being there, and that's also the location of the John Steinbeck Library. But what's really interesting is that two blocks from the library is a site where his books were burned in the 1930s. Oh. And not only that, but Of Mice and Men is one of the most frequently banned books by American schools, along, along with uh, Mr. Twain. Why is that, Johnny? Yeah. Why, why, why have they banned uh, Steinbeck from high school reading? I mean, I know it was required when I was in high school, and it uh, was... Well, you know, they, the, you guys. They, they, they banned books for all, all sorts of reasons. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, hey, you know, you, bet, you, you imagine two of the most banned books, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. But, I, 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 I'm speechless on that one. Because I am. It, it I makes don't absolutely understand no that mentality. Um, and, and his books were burned, Steinbeck's books were burned because well, they were subversive? Or? Well, no, because one of the things is that he wrote about the conditions in California, mm -hmm. and especially up in the Salinas Valley and that like that, they thought he painted the valley, you know, this we're talking now about the businessmen, the Chamber of Commerce, mm -hmm. you know, the big ranchers. They thought it was pro projecting a negative image of their community, and by golly, we're going to stand up and protect our, our image. I imagine Upton Sinclair's books were banned. Oh, The well. Jungle? Oh, wow. <laughs> And that's that. I think is one of the greatest books ever written. Uh, you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You read that one? I've read that one. I'm, there I'm, you go. I'm, Harry. We'll do the, we'll do the I, jungle I, next I, show. I, I, <laughs> well, I got to reread it then. But no, I have re I have read that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, there's just so many, and you know, you look like uh, Steve Frazee, a, a, a prolific screenwriter, uh, but one of his books was called The Silver Barons, mm -hmm. and it was about the tycoons of that era, you know, the, the, the octopus, the the railroads, the wheat, the coal, then these guys, you know, and 
and this it's a, it's a scary book when you see how much a small group of power a group of men how much power they can gather but it's what's even scarier now is they were pikers compared to our <laughs> moguls of today <laughs> and we got off of Steinbeck didn't we just a bit there well that's all but that's what he wrote about though. Yeah. you know he wrote about that inequity mm-hmm. anything to throw in there John oh you're absolutely right and and it, when you write those kind of subjects, and, and you know, uh, you're not always that popular. Um, and so, you know, eventually he leaves California. Uh, he'll come back at about time, but. Well, that's, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. You go back to, you know, he originally, when he, when he left the university and stuff like that, he worked his way to New York on a cattle boat. And while he was there, he had several different jobs. He went to work as a, a newspaper reporter and didn't work out too good. Also, at that same time, he was a construction worker on the building of Madison Square Garden. Let me die. You know, the guy was just... I got another another thing that he wrote here. And this is He's writing about the language of books. The language of books was different from the language of men. To the men I write about, profanity is adornment and ornament and is never vulgar, and I try to write it so. Yeah. <laughs> what else can you say? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I, I don't want to do a backhand compliment, but, you know, you, Mr. Boggs, you kind of do that yourself when you're writing. I do? Well, you yeah. can compare me to Steinbeck anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm talking about Irving Steinbeck now. <laughs> Irving okay. Steinbeck, that's, his, that's yeah. his little brother, right? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. let's talk about Tortilla Flat for a little bit because, you know, his uh, that was, well, for one thing, it was a Commonwealth Club of California gold medal winner, but it was about it was kind of like his more the author homage he was writing really about what uh, was written about in 1400 king arthur but he changed it to people into the the pisanos you know the mexicans the italians uh the the, the people that got the that, that community that was in monterey you know and up in that area that were portuguese and they're fishermen and and the mixture of the people coming in from the ranches. Right. Yeah, he was a big fan of, uh, of um, the King Arthur stories, um, and that was what he wanted to do there was try to transform some of those into uh, some of this, um, you know, Mexican, Spanish, Portuguese, Indian, Italian uh, friends. Uh, so he turns into this uh, kind of comic novel about uh, life in there and then uh, follows that up later with uh, Cannery Row, which... Um, it's equally as delightful of a read. Um, mm-hmm. But I think um, uh, Tortilla Flats kind of, sometimes it kind of ticked off some some people, and, and I think he got ticked off at, at, at some of the reviews that were actually praising him, but were, were thinking mm-hmm. that he was writing, writing, um, I mean, the feedback was, was um, uh, I mean, it was a big seller. It was, it was one of his early big, big books that, that kind of established him. Yeah, that was that was his his first really big, big uh, income generating book. Right. He able to. He's like, they, he's, go ahead. Um, I'm trying to find it here. Uh, uh, Modern Library Books did a reprint of that, and he printed a forward in that. Um, and that's that's not the only edition. The forward kind kind of came about was a few years later, where he's talking about when the. He opens it, when this book was written, it did not occur to me that the Pisanos were curious or quaint, dispossessed or underdogish. They are people whom I know and like, people who merge successfully with their habitat. In men, this is called philosophy, and it is a fine thing. Had I known that these stories and these people would be considered quaint, I think I never should have written about them. We have... slap against uh, reaction. Guys, we have a caller here, and uh, we're going to go to uh, John and say, "Howdy, John. What is your work on Voices of the West? What is uh, what is it that we can do for you? Extract from you. (laughs) Extract from you. Hey, Harry. 
Walter, Johnny, how y'all doing? Huh? We're Good. doing. Good. What's your comment? Question. Yeah, I to, yeah, I just wanted to throw in, you know, when I was uh, oh, in high school and uh, an aspiring writer and trying to learn character development, I, I read Mice and Men, and uh, I just loved, uh, well, I was going to say I loved, but I was impressed by the uh, the villain uh, Curly, who's the, uh, the son of the owner, and... Uh, he, he was such a, I mean, as will be, and uh, he, you know, he's, he's in the bunkhouse picking on Lenny and uh, hitting him and hitting him. And, you know, George is, you know, like, hit back, hit back. And, uh, <laughs> well, he, when Lenny grabs that fist, when he throws that punch and crushes his hand, oh, I cheered. And I was like, <laughs> that was Bobby Steele, <laughs> so right? I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, once I became published, I thought, you know, I always want my villains to be memorable. That's <laughs> well, yeah, they should yeah, be. You know, there's there's a story really, behind. Really all I got to there's a story behind that. You know, that's actually uh, the Lenny character actually was based on a a worker that Steinbeck knew, and one of the things that was different was that the uh, worker he got upset with the foreman because the guy was riding him, and he punctured his belly about half a dozen times or more with a pitchfork. Uh, it had nothing to do with, uh, you know, the accidental killing of of uh, Curly's wife. It it was all about, you know, hmm. but but he he kept that in his mind. And then when he did the book, he he saw a way of taking that experience that he had had, had mm-hmm. and transforming it into part of his story. Interesting. Anything else, John? Mm-hmm. No, you're oh, not. Either, John. Good. Oh, yeah, no. All right. Uh, we'll talk to uh, you later. All right. Oh, thank you, John. I appreciate Thank you so uh, much. Have yourself a good you. one. Appreciate you telephoning us. There, there it is. A live phone call. Here. A live phone call. Yeah. It's always better than a dead phone call, yes, I, I think. <laughs> uh, of course, we get those from Chicago frequently. <laughs> Uh, requesting us to vote, and it's great uh, for you know an aspiring writer. You know, yeah, that's that's where you go to look to for for motivation and to, to learn that your craft is you read the masters like stuff. Yeah, okay. he's absolutely right. The, the character development there's, yeah, great. Curly's a great character, um, guys, and he and you kind of like it when he gets his hand crushed. Oh yeah, I rooted. Yeah, crush the other yeah. one. <laughs> Guys, we got to do that last commercial break here, and uh, we do these things because folks pay us to put this program on the air. Isn't that something? And we love those guys. Well, we love our love sponsors. Them, love them, love them. If dearly. they were here, I'd give them a big hug. Well, and that's well, why they're not here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll be back with much more of Abel Franzi's Voices of the West right after these important messages. Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. Tucson Estate Planning, where attorneys Ron Zach and Chanel Schmitz design estate plans to keep you out of court. There are so many people who say they do estate planning. What they're doing is they're just picking up forms. It's not a lot different than just going on and getting your own forms and filling them out. That causes a lot of problems. We know what goes to court. We know what problems come up. Zach and Schmitz, PLC. Estate planning attorneys you can trust. 520-664-3420. TucsonEstatePlanning.com. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hi, this is Joe Montaigne. Every time my Uncle Willie tells me about his service in Patton's Third Army in World War II, I'm reminded of what we owe the U.S. Army. Fourteen generations of American soldiers who have courageously defended our nation. Their stories represent the best of America and should never be forgotten. Join me to help build the National Museum of the United States Army. 
a long overdue tribute to all American soldiers. To learn more, visit armyhistory.org. Saddle up on VOW Radio. Tune in every Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for the Voices of the West Old Time Radio Shows. We are bringing back those old-time Western radio shows like Paladin, Gunsmoke, Tales of the Texas Rangers, and many more. It's every Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on VOW Radio. Welcome back to Emil Franzink's Voices of the West. We're back on Emil Franzink's Voices of the West, talking John Steinbeck, and uh, I don't know if we've exhausted everything that... I'm oh, sure there's a bunch no, more that more, we, can, more, more. we can talk about, uh, uh, but, you know, in the waning moments here, I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to uh, ask John what he's got coming up. What you got coming up? Ed. How many books have you finished since the show's been on, Johnny? <laughs> Oops, I got to put them out. Hang on, boy, that that just did not work out well. What did you do? You turned you turned them off? I, I forgot to turn them back on. Uh, you know, you, I've been talking for ten minutes here. Now. <laughs> <laughs> what treat you I like a stepchild. Well, I'm actually, uh, uh, I am working on a uh, film history uh, called. Uh, the um, what's it called? Hollywood and the American West. So we're taking twelve movies uh, during the sound era and comparing them to how they were made, what was going on at the time they were being made, and how they reflect actual history. So, Yummy. so that's probably well, probably come out sometime maybe next year. Uh, then you know I'm staying busy. Let's see, the next novel comes out in. Well, um, Hard Way Out of Hell, which is about Cole Younger, just came out in trade paperback. So okay. It's the confessions of Cole Younger. And, you know, he had a, quite a few things he probably should have confessed. <laughs> well, you know, I got, I, got to, I got to comment on something here. In the last issue of the Roundup, uh, you commented about the comedy westerns, and I am 100% on board with you on Blazing Saddles. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I, think Blazing... I, I figured this is all going to get me get, you know, lynched when I show up in Tucson for the yeah. convention uh, in June, but uh, yeah, I appreciate well, that. Well, we'll just stand back to back and fight them off, John. Mm. Yeah, you're going to have to do that. <laughs> well, you know, we might be horrendously outnumbered, but uh, I think we'll so. see. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll take the Alamo. <laughs> yeah, too much fighting. Oh, too much fighting in the Alamo. Well, you know, <laughs> see, I I have a theory, and I I expound it anytime I get a chance. That one of the cornerstones in the demise of the westerns is Blazing Saddles. Really, you think so? I really do because I think it. You know, it it it's okay. You know, a lot of people have made comedy westerns. And they, they they poke fun at it and stuff like that, and. Mel Brooks was brilliant in it, but there was a point in there uh, when I'm wa- was watching the movie, and it's it's the farting scene around the campfire, and it kept going on and kept going on, and all of a sudden, for some reason, and I can't explain it, I'm autonomic, whatever, I was uncomfortable, and it just and it, and it did that. And again, I, I I would laugh my my tail off at different things, but that uncomfort built to the very end. And when Red Morgan, a good a good stunt man who was a mentor to me, uh, and they're having the big fight on the sound stage, walks off into the L.A. sunset hand in hand with a gay dancer, and this just has nothing to do with that thing. It just it was so wrong to me, and it just. I don't know. I can't explain it, but from that moment, I, 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 I saw. You know, I, I think a lot of people saw that, and they it broke that fifth wall, fourth wall, third wall between the audience and the story, and you know, a lot of. And I, 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 I didn't see westerns the same after that. Well, and then you can uh, the comedy westerns. There's uh, how to survive. Was it how to survive in the west? Uh, uh, oh, there's some brilliant ones. Yeah, out there. I mean that's that's a comedy right right there, and a big old gunfight mm-hmm. going on inside the saloon, and uh, 
character says to the other character, how do we survive? And the other character says, and hey, we, we can survive. We just need to be wearing coffins. I mean, you know, yeah. it, well, I, great I've, lines got, in I've there. got two Western movies for you, John, just, just out of the blue to see if you saw either one of them. One was Slapsy Maxi Rides Again, and the other one was the Lemonade, uh, Lemonade Joe. Did you see either one of those? Neither one. Neither one. They are. They, I've been. They yeah. are three layers below the Three Stooges, uh, <laughs> for culture, and and they and both of them were hilarious. One, Eliminate Joe was a Czechoslovakian western. Wow. Made in made in early eighties, in lemon color. Lemon color. Yes. Wow. Lemon color. I got. You one, know, I got, I've been watching. Um, I've been on on, on a Japanese on a Kurosawa fix. <laughs> so I watched uh, Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, mm-hmm. um, and Sanjuro. Um, and man, those movies are just absolutely brilliant. I mean, yeah. I mean, Magnificent Seven is, is a fun movie to watch. The original. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the, se- yeah. the sequels or the remake, but Seven Samurai is just so so brilliant. And it's a li- little easier to accept the whole plot. Uh, it, it works a little better when you. Got out of work samurai in, in 1500s Japan, and then yeah. you got seven gunfighters defending or defending a village from 40 bandits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Yojimbo, I can see why um, why um, uh, Leone wanted to make that into a western. Yeah. Um, I got one for you. Great movies. I got I got one for you, Johnny. Have you ever seen? It's a silent, and uh, it's called. Uh, 4917. It was uh, made in 1917. Bunker and I watched this uh, one morning, and I mean, it's a pretty incredible silent western. Have you ever seen it? 4917? No, I'll have to look that up. I'm a big fan of silent movies. Uh, Emil Jennings is the bad guy in it. Yeah, uh, it, it was produced, written and produced by Ruth... Uh, and she directed. And she directed, and I don't recall her last name now, but it I mean, it was the the premise is this guy was uh, involved in the gold rush in 1849. He's back east now, and he's going through his belongings. He wants he coming across all those old cool things that he had when he was a young man, and he decides he wants to set up an old west town to recreate that time and era. And it's uh, the story of how he gets that. I'm not going to give too much of it away. And he, and okay, well, I'll really, tell you what. Really, I, I'm, I'm like supposed it. to curate our, our Western movie night gathering later this month. I'll have to see if I can track that down. Because, yeah. And it's, it's I like to bring movie. the interesting. There's, there's a really great, it's very short. It stars, um, and, and stars, I can't remember the guy's name, but he plays the uh, Japanese uh, commandant in Bridge on the River Quas. Mm-hmm. But it's from about 19. 19- 17, 1915, somewhere around there. It's called Last of the Line, Line, L-I-N-E. And he plays a uh, an Indian who, who comes home to the old <clears throat> from the old ways and has just become a drunk and raging alcoholic. And just, mm-hmm. uh, it's a short movie, but it is so powerful. He's not a movie. We, I think well, you... you go back to, I mean, one thing, when they're making movies in 1915, 1916, they're a lot closer to the frontier yes. than they are when they're trying to make movies in, 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 yeah. in the 2000s. Well, you know, their wardrobe looks like it came out of their closet. It doesn't Indeed. look like Western costume. Right. Yeah. Hey, I got, I got one for yeah, you, John. I got, I got one for you. You'd like to, uh, I mean, obviously you're a great writer in, in Western genre and such. Why is it that when the guys rob the banks... They wear bandit, ba, ba, um, bandanas, bandanas, mm-hmm. neckerchiefs, or and sacks. or sacks or whatever the case may be. <laughs> and you know, you always are able to really actually figure out who they are because of the hat, the color of the bandana, blah blah. Why don't they disguise their horses? Why don't they put put the bandana on a horse? You put put a flower sack on the horse. Yeah, I mean, come on. Everybody recognizes a horse probably easier than than the guy. Well, you know, too, and you know, you look at the movies, and every all the actors are going, "Well, I want this outfit, and I want yeah. that outfit." And back when those things were actually happening, 
uh, everybody dressed pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. You know, the clothes, because, you know, your selection of clothing wasn't that great. And right. Mary's giving me the whirling finger, which I hope isn't a nasty that, sign. No, it is not. It is time for us to depart. Johnny, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. It's wonderful most appreciated. Time. Wonderful time. It's, it's always always a pleasure. Let me leave you with one quote to prove that you were right. Okay. From Robert Burns, the best laid schemes of mice and men go often askew. There you go. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. We'll be watching, or not, we hope to have you back next Saturday. What are we doing? I have no clue. Yeah. We'll figure it out uh, as the as the week wears on. And we'll see you, we'll see you at the book fair That's, and at the convention. Yes, we will. All right, Johnny, thank you, and thank you, everybody. We will be back next time here on Amal Franzi's Voices of the West. Bye-bye. Great. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.